Hello and welcome back to Season 2, Episode 7 of the Post-Match Podcast. Now, you might be looking for some Ryder Cup, Rugby World Cup or Cricket World Cup, but this is the one place where we'll be talking about football and football only. And this week, we will feature mainly the Premier League. Josh Bunting is back again. Josh, unfortunately, was under the weather last week, but that didn't stop him getting the plenty of football games. Uh, he'll let you know later on how he's been getting on with um, his progress. Joyce is trying to take in as many games as he can this year. Uh, and he'll let you know for our giveaways how many games he's been to. So keep an eye out for that or keep a listen out for that. Josh, we'll actually just start before we get on to some of the games you've been with. With um, what should really have been a fantastic weekend of football. Some shock defeats. On Saturday, we had eight games on Saturday because of the Ryder Cup. So really, really like, felt like a flashback to times of old where he had all these games especially at three o'clock on a Saturday um some brilliant results sadly the the main game on on Saturday at half four half five was overshadowed by VAR now I mentioned there a, a, a bit about the 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 rugby world cup as well we've been listening to um the the aftermath of this where I think Liverpool are asking for the audio of what happened can we put this just down to human error in this in this case um, Josh, after what happened in the Liverpool Spurs game, yeah, I think obviously it's disappointing for Liverpool fans that the Lewis Diaz goal, which was onside, hasn't counted. But what I think frustrates me the most is uh, PGMOL come out after the game, and, and obviously they've said it is human error. And I think you know the Premier League's meant to be the best league in the world, and it's meant to be have this all the professionalism and it has all the eyes on it and when there's so much errors in it and it's you know it's every game and in, in, in the league there's always mistakes in, in terms of the officiating I just don't think the officiating in England's very good right now in general and that's being completely honest with you Um, but look it happens in football sometimes it's given and sometimes it's not I would actually like to see you know if you watch the championship, for example, you know from a southern perspective, and if a ref, like there's there's mistakes every game, but nobody can really have a like it, it's just like old times, like everyone sort of talks about this and this, like there's no technology to back it up, but we're in the Premier League, the technology is there to back it up, and you know I don't know how they're sitting in the VAR room on, on Saturday evening thinking you know they have all the technology available to them. I've no idea how they've come to the conclusion that he was offside. Yeah, I mean exactly they've got all the, the tools available to them and they're not they're not making the best use of them. I mentioned there at the start, so other sports like tennis, um rugby have been making really good use of it for years. Um especially, you know, with all the money in the Premier League, they've all the tools available and they're just not making use, you know, to take 30 seconds over a big incident and then due to their pro protocols, the match has restarted. They've realised they made a mistake and they, they should really, which I've heard a few other people saying, they should have just broken protocol and went back and said, right, you know, that was a clear goal. Sadly, in football terms, it was a fantastic goal by Luis Diaz and that's really the sad thing that nobody's really spoken about. It was an unbelievable finish from a tough angle. Um, and I think, actually, a current Liverpool player, Alexis McAllister, scored a really good free kick um, last season or the season before for Brighton and everyone did sort of say at that time what I said they said you know unfortunately that you know unfortunately, well 
nobody really predicted what McAllister would go on to do after then winning the World Cup and move to Liverpool. But everyone sort of said at the time, you know, this is taking away the best moment in, in his career, scoring a great free kick. He's obviously went on to do so many good things after. But that that is the sad thing. We, we, you know, we should be sat here talking about the football uh, and who knows the, what went what, what on to happen there in the game. The one thing I didn't understand on the Diaz goal, and I don't know if you can answer this because I know you read and listen to a lot of stuff. Why didn't they draw the lines? Like, there was no... Like, obviously I watched it on the Sky on Saturday and, like, there was no... I, I didn't I didn't get that. I like it's yeah with every so with every goal I've seen this season the lines have been drawn. But this yeah. goal had didn't have it. Yeah, yeah. So so for a game, um that game actually had six minutes added on, which um if they had spent an extra three, four minutes in that, they they would have had ten minutes on, which would have been no tragedy. There's ten, ten, twelve minutes added on to other games. Sort of you know, that they have like you said, there's a human error there. But why, yeah, why not? Ha- and that's that's where people come out with the conspiracies, the corruption. If there's no consistency, the key word there, then, you know, there isn't the same controversy over the, the red card because they actually spent a lot of time on that one, slowed it down, got the referee. The referee's getting a lot of criticism here, but he actually, you know, gave a yellow card. So he's not in the wrong here for, for anyone that feels there's corruption there. He actually was made to go to the side of the pitch now, the, the thing about that one is it's all slowed down as well, so it does make it look like a clear red card. But if they're able to slow that one down, like you said, Josh, why can't they draw the lines for for the offside, which was which was clear? You could see it as well with that, so how the pitch was going. It was so obvious it, it was onside. We'll move on from that because I know everyone who's listening, if, you will hear so much more about that uh, in the next coming days. Um, but what I would actually like to talk about is Liverpool's brilliant start to the season. This was actually the third time this year they've actually went down to 10 men. They, they actually went down to nine men. But with a world-class goalkeeper like Alisson and a world-class attacker like Salah, you actually don't notice the, the man advantage. They're very, very good. You know, they can still hit you on the break. Alisson can, can hit it long. Salah takes out two centre-backs. Luckily for Spurs, which I will talk a bit about, we do have Romero and uh, Mickey van de Ven, bit of pace there. Um, but it did take two of them, you know, to, to, to deal with Salah. Um, but yeah, Josh, what's your thoughts on Liverpool's business? They could have went for Bellingham, could have went all in on Bellingham, Caicedo. Kind of waited and, and made some astute signings there. Um, so what's your thoughts on them so far and do you see them as title challengers? Three words. Dominic Sobelay. Um, I've loved... <laughs> I've, I, 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 <laughs> I've loved them. I just love watching them. I think, yeah. you know, early early on in the season, I think he's been probably out of all the new signings in the league. He's probably been my favourite one so far. Van de Ven's up there as well, but just the way... He hits the ball. It's 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 his technique. It's it's so effortless, and he yeah. hits it so hard as well. Now, I, like you know me, like I watched a lot of German football uh, with him at Leipzig last year, and when Liverpool signed him, I thought, yeah, that's a really really nice signing. But I actually didn't think he'd adapt as quickly as he actually has. And the Liverpool equaliser on on Saturday, for me, it's all about the ball in. And his, yeah. it's it's such a good ball in the back post. Van Dijk heads it across. And like Gakpo does really well and chest it down and turns so quickly. But yeah. for me, I just love watching 
Samurai and you know, I just think, you know, the Villa the Villa game a few weeks ago when he scored an absolute cracker as well. Yeah. The, the, the Carabao Cup game against Leicester. He has those goals in his locker. But it's just how commanding he is in the middle of the park. Yeah. Uh, I'd access to McAllister. Um I don't, he's been strange for me for Liverpool. He's been in a slightly different role than he was at Brighton. And don't get me wrong, he's been good, but for me, he's been a little bit too aggressive at times. He's got quite a few bookings as well, which yeah. I think might cost them in the long run. But yeah, their business has been really good. Like it has, it's been, it, it has, like their midfield has improved vastly, which is what they needed from last season. Mm. Um, he's got Darwin Nunes playing and, and scoring goals, um, which, look, if he goes on a good run, then, you know, they have the number nine there. Gakpo chipping in, obviously Salah. No words need to be said for Salah. We all know his quality. Um, and actually, I said it on my Twitter this weekend. I think in the Premier League this year, as a complete performance, as a goalkeeper, I think that Allison performance was the best we've seen this year. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Especially at the start of the second half, where I felt after the break, Liverpool probably a bit, bit tired, you know, from, from the effort they put in the first half. Spurs, um, which I spoke about, Spurs started to press them higher up and one in the back, ball back off the fullbacks. We're starting to take more shots from distance, but Allison was just, he's, he's the best that the, those those reflex saves. There was one from Son as well where it was hit. You know, I don't know how he saw it so quick, cause, uh, but yeah, just Allison's not unbelievable. I mentioned his distribution as well, which he, he's second to none. Um, but yes, yeah, so obviously I think he had a cross, cross-field pass in the first half when I think Spurs had just went 1-0 up um, but you could just see Liverpool's threat on the break and we spoke about it before there and this is the third time Liverpool have actually went down to 10 men I think the difference between Liverpool and seasons before I saw it against Newcastle we've mentioned there they've got these technically good midfielders they're not all about the fullbacks anymore they can dominate the middle of the pitch and then you spoke, you spoke well there as well. They've got so many attacking options, which they've built up over three, four transfer windows. You know, starting with Jota, Diaz, Nunes, Gakbo. Now, none of these, maybe Nunes, but none of these are from huge transfer fees. So it shows you can build a squad gradually, which Klopp has already done in the beginning. And it shows that can be done without putting all your eggs in the basket on a, on a Caicedo or a Bellingham. So fair play to Liverpool. I'd like to give Klopp some credit as well. He could have, I watched his press conference after, and he, I think he was very much probably more disappointed um, with how well his team had played, and, and they hadn't got a result because it was, you know, it took an own, an own goal by Matip, who was brilliant as well. Um, but Liverpool can take a lot from this. I think they will be the, the closest challengers to Man City. Um, they have, they like, they've impressed me this season, they really have, but I think, you know, they've gone behind in so many games this season. Yeah, which which I don't think you know. It obviously depends on the opponent, but like it's going to cost you if you keep going behind. Yeah, there's going to be games there that you're not going to get back into. Teams will sort of resort to this flat back four and they go yeah. narrow against you, and then it's all about how you break them down. Um, yeah, but I think Liverpool will finish in the top four this year. I just don't know where yeah. they'll finish. Um, and I think, the, I think the likes of this week where there's a lot of big games in the Premier League next weekend, as I spoke before when we did our sort of cup predictions, Liverpool really now can go out and rest maybe eight, nine players in the Europa League, um, whereas 
that the rest of the teams are in big Champions League. You know, Newcastle play PSG this week. So many huge games. Um, so New, uh, Liverpool do have a bit of an advantage there, where they, you know they can prepare well. Brighton will probably be taking their Europa League games seriously on Thursday after after a first game defeat. Um, that was a shock result where they lost to Aston Villa. So next week we've got Liverpool v Brighton, and we've got um we've got Man City against Arsenal. But yeah, Josh. So we spoke a, a bit about briefly before. I know how much um you've kind of grown in love with Spurs this season with with fans post the Coggly. So what have you thought about? I I know obviously a lot of late wins recently, but you know that a lot that a lot of that can be you know go well. You know there are teams that do well without you know winning when they're not at their best. So that's another quality that Ainge has added to Spurs this season. Yeah, no, I think. Spurs on Saturday, like you said, you went for it. And that's what I like about it. You did press high, and that's what Paul Cogley does. He plays that attractive football, um, which I really enjoyed at the weekend, I have to say. Um, and what I liked about what sort of stuck out my mind the most was he brought off Son and he brought off Madison, and Spurs still find okay. I know it was a an own goal from Joel Matip, but like. You still find a way to go and win the game, which I think is massive. And it shows you the team spirit that he's brought to Spurs. So, yeah, look, it's it's been an amazing start this season for Spurs. Like when you, when you look at it, you've drawn with Arsenal, beaten Manchester United, beaten Liverpool. You know, seven points from those three games. I just think you know he's brought a real good team spirit. And a real good character about about Spurs, um. No, so yeah, Spurs are, are in a really really good place. Obviously, this weekend the way they're looking, Luton have just picked up their first win of the season, beat Everton, and then obviously they play Burnley, uh, this midweek. So you know, if they can beat Burnley, they'll be going into the Spurs game of confidence. It's going to be a, a tough enough game, but I would still expect Spurs to go there and win. Um. So if you win lunchtime. On Saturday, you're in an amazing place to be. Um, and the feel-good factor is back at Spurs. That's what I, I think. And I feel like, you know, with Boston Coglu, it's not like Conte, it's not like Mourinho. It's a manager who's actually allowing his players the freedom to play. Basuma, the big one for me, he's given Basuma that time and that freedom to go and play his football. And he's, yeah, and he, he's showing how good he is. Last year, I felt he was very much on the hook, Basuma. Um, Conte sort of he had this one system for him and he, he had to stick to it but Postal Coglu's been giving him options and uh, yeah he's, he's been really really good and I think with Basuma being allowed to express himself that also helps James Madison in finding gaps and he can express himself as well so everybody in that Spurs team has that confidence and that little bit of you know they're let off the shackles they can sort of roam around a bit more freely, which which I really like. Yeah, that that that's exactly what it is. Um, so many we we've had so many players in the past. Um, who made one, especially players, younger players, made one or two mistakes under Mourinho or Conte. That was them. Um, uh, made a scapegoat out of the team and maybe sold off or loaned out, never to be seen again. Uh. You've said there correctly, so they're all given the freedom, especially the attacking players. You can see he trusts them to to, to work things out themselves, um, which is great. Uh, yeah, especially Basuma. Um, you know, 
this summer was really all about that 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 spaceless type of midfielder where teams are spending an absolute fortune for, such as Caicedo or or Lavia. Um, but we already had someone there that we got for thirty million from, from Brighton last season, and he, he looks like he's really excelling in that role. Uh, Mickey Van de Ven, you mentioned him at the start there as one of your favourite players. Um, there was a few times as well, you know, Liverpool threatened a lot in that game with ten men and even nine men. Um, just so dangerous on the break. Um, I look at last season if that was Dyer or or Sanchez one on one, they might have just fouled the player. Van de Ven just. As you said, he doesn't even look that fast, but he just swept by and mopped up any trouble. Um, and I think Vicario's actually done quite well there as well. Um, bear in mind, some people, you know, the the celebration police, as they're known by, might actually criticise Spurs for how they celebrate in their last, you know, their late win against Sheffield United, their late win against Liverpool. But like you've rightly said, Josh, it's really about getting the feel-good factor back to the club. Um, there has been some dark times. This is the best the atmosphere has been at the new stadium. Uh, really since they've, they left the old White Hart Lane um, and it just looks like the fans are, who do spend a lot of money are enjoying it again but um, just really good to see a, a young group of players I think it's, it's it's a very new team as well so Liverpool and Spurs someone made a good point in the previews they said what makes Liverpool and Spurs so dangerous is they haven't really worked out, out exactly how they're playing yet themselves which makes it so hard for oppositions to work out how they're going to play because of so many different ways of playing. Uh, and, and we knew it was going to be a great game. Spurs have scored two goals in every game this season uh, without Harry Kane, which you know, it could at some point in the season be a talking point if the goals dry up. Liverpool, like you said, keep going behind in games, but they've actually won, they had actually won their last four games 3-1. So it really could have went either way, even with 10 men. But we'll move on uh, from the Spurs-Liverpool game. Josh, um, remind us all uh, how many games you've actually been to this year. Because so, since, since you've last come on the pod, you've been to quite a few games in England, Scotland uh, and in the Irish League. So how many games in total have you been to, Josh, for anyone listening for our wee giveaway, which I've done on social, social media? So this season so far, as we record this podcast, now, I am going to a match later on today, but as it stands, I've been to 67 games. 67 games, Josh. So, uh, I know you. the reason you're able to get such a high total up is you like to make these trips from, from Northern Ireland over to England or Scotland and you or, or Germany, and you like to take in multiple games in the same day, uh, never mind weekend. So, tell us a bit about your, your week last week in England um, and how that went for yeah. you. So last weekend I went to two Premier League games and obviously on the Sunday I went to Sunderland against Cardiff City but in the Premier League I went to Manchester City against Nottingham Forest last Saturday followed up by a trip to Turf Moor for Burnley against Manchester United. Very good. So uh, the Man City game so Great result there for Man City. Um, Pep, the perfectionist that he is, was really angry at the end of the game. And he was actually really angry with Rodri. Rodri's played a lot of minutes. I think he's played more minutes than anyone, anyone else in the last period uh, for Man City. He, he got sent off in that game. It was, was stupid by him. And that potentially could cost them, you know, with a big game coming up uh, against Arsenal. Actually, he'll, he'll miss that game and he missed the, the defeat against Wolves. But just tell us about your thoughts. You know, we spoke about a few other teams there. You know, some teams might think 
you know they're doing well. Man City have actually won every game up and up until that game with Wolves. So how so how impressed with you seeing Man City live, Josh? Yeah, the, obviously my thoughts on City were at the time I I, I honestly didn't think anybody would have, would have came close to them, and I still don't. I still think City will win the league. Yeah. The, the game was over inside seventeen minutes against Nottingham Forest. Um, last or our two Saturdays ago now. Um, Phil Foden and Erling Haaland with two really early goals and that first goal from Foden I sort of said after the game I don't really think anybody else in England scores that goal I don't think many teams in Europe score that goal switch a play into the box for Kyle Walker and Kyle Walker isn't even looking and he, he, he just knows exactly where Foden is he knows he's behind him and he takes one, he like flicks it off. Walker, Walker takes one, one sort of touch, a little flick, back to Foden. He hits it first time into the bottom corner, and you're like, their understanding and their connection is just so so good. But I've said it many times before, you know, Rodri obviously, like we say, got sent off, and then they go and lose the Wolves at the weekend there, and I think that shows you. I think it's it's so evident. Of just how important Rodri is to that Manchester City team, he's like the heart in a human body. It's the it's a vital vital organ, um, and I think Rodri is that vital organ in that Man City team. Like we've seen so many times last season, especially obviously the Champions League final where he goes and scores the winner, um, yeah. and he chipped in with so many big goals last year, which I don't think people realize. Um, so yeah, such an important player, so crucial. Um, but yeah, I was so impressed by City and just how they played uh, last weekend. And I thought Forrest, to their credit, they looked okay in the counter attack. Um, you know, I thought that they impressed me. And I think Forrest will stay up again, to be fair. Yeah. Um, I think they've got, you know, that Taiwai Awoni up front who, who who will score goals. And I like the look, I like the look of Alanga and Hudson Adoy in their team because they've got the pace that. They can go. They can go. They can be positive. They can beat the fullback. So, yeah, obviously, extremely impressed by City. Um, and I like I say, I still think obviously, uh, they've lost the weekend against Wolves, but they've got no Carabao Cup action now either. Which I think, I mean, it sounds stupid because they've got two squads, but they, they can rest up a little bit on those Carabao Cup weeks. Um, and like there's so many games in the season. Um, yeah. So, I thought City, City were sensational. Uh, and then, obviously, they're going to get beat by Wolves. So, that, that, that's football in a nutshell. Yeah, so, um, interestingly, Rodri had actually spoken um, just before the league started about all these games. You know, he was actually the one saying it. So, if, the, if City actually come through these games with, with all the results, they'll actually have one of their players getting a, getting a rest as well. From not playing, but we're in late for Calvin Phillips when they played. They actually played quite well against Newcastle midweek. Pep named six or seven players who he was really impressed with, and he didn't mention Calvin Phillips in a game that he should really have been taking an opportunity. So it's probably a bit worrying for him. Maybe he'll get loaned out um, in January because um, that was really a chance for him to get a run in the team. So yeah, no, for Forest, great result for Forest uh, yesterday against Brentford with with ten men as well. They fought well. I agree as well. I think they do have enough goals to stay up, which we know from, from many years is important 
in this league. So good luck to them. So that was the last two Saturdays ago. Um, so what? Then you actually went to another game that same day. Um, yeah, I went to Turf Moor for the Johnny Evans masterclass. Uh, <laughs> Burnley nil, Manchester United one. Um, yeah, I'll be honest, it wasn't a particularly fantastic game of football, and but. I liked Burnley. I thought there was positives to Burnley. You know, Zeki Amdu hits the post. If he's, if that goes in, Burnley go out 1-0 ahead and, and then who knows? You know, the game could change slightly, but I thought United were still poor. I know they won yeah. the game, but I just thought they didn't create enough at all. Um, The ball by Johnny Evans for the goal was outstanding and the finish from Bruno Fernandes is it's world class. That's that little bit of difference that, that mm-hmm. United can have. And then obviously... United go and get beat at the weekend by um, Crystal, Crystal Palace, who who the beat in, in the cup during the week. But for me, I didn't really understand it from a United point of view. I think you know when United play, you're Garnacho, Palestri, and Hannibal. They've looked really good actually. Um, so I know they're young kids, and you sort of have to rotate them, and you know you can't play them every game. But those are the first three names if I was Stan Hag that I would have on my team sheet just because bring, they bring the energy they bring the quality about them um, and they're quite unpredictable in what they do which is which is always quite good I find because obviously teams are going to be thinking I, I have no idea what to expect here and even the preparation the managers won't really know what to expect um, but on the Burnley game I just thought they were, I know they won the game but I thought they were really slow I thought they were passive just really not impressive at all. Yeah, just just um, just just feels like it's not a happy camp there. You know, you spoke about you know yeah. Liverpool and Spurs. You know, someone actually made a comment. Uh, it must have been the football phone-ins that Liverpool looked looked more likely to score with nine men at the weekend than 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 Man United did with you know with eleven men. And Man United were at home, Liverpool were away. So you know, it's not it's not good reading there. Um, what's that now? Four defeats in seven games in the league, and then lost the Bayern as well. So, you know, I, I agree. I think um, a lot of people, a lot of fans now are starting to say that players like Rashford maybe need a bit of a rest, set it out well, even for 60 Rash- minutes. Rashford really frustrated me that night against against Burnley. And I, I, don't, I don't support you then at all. And, you know, you're a non-Manchester head supporter and you're watching Rashford just walking, just being lazy. You're just thinking... Well, what's the point? If you're not going to put everything into it, generally, what is the point? I actually yeah. have him. I actually have him in my Premier League fantasy team, um, <laughs> and I, uh, I said at the weekend against Crystal Palace that if he didn't step up, then he was going out. So he will be. He will be going out this week. Um, he's uh, yeah. He, he is just really frustrated me this season. So watch him just laze around, walk about, not put in hundred percent. And if you're not putting in 100%, then what, like I say, what's the point? Yeah, I think it's a big few weeks for Ten Hag. They do, they do have a lot of games coming up as well. Um, some winnable games as well. So I do think it's a good opportunity for him where really his job is on the line to start really just thinking, right, who can I trust? Who are, like you've said, you mentioned two or three younger players there who, who are impressive, they're hungrier. I think it's time he, he maybe changes it a bit about and puts in players he can trust that's going to run because you you know you know in the Premier League there's 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 nobody really you can't have passengers we we had a few in the past and you know it lets you down you need everyone you have to run everyone runs now there's not many teams that'll sit back you, you have to run um 
in the yeah. Premier League, especially for a system to work. You know, Ten Hag's works so well with younger players as well. So you, you sort of think that he would trust them more. Um, but that was interesting. So that that was that was the the two games on the Saturday. And just we haven't picked up on it much. We spoke a lot about it last season with. Sunderland's run to the playoff and the semi-finals as well. So tell us a bit about your your season. You're you're at a game last week, and then you know you had you had a good win at the weekend there. A game you weren't at. So just tell us a bit about yeah how, how um, happy you are with Sunderland. I'm a super scout apparently because um, <laughs> I haven't seen his win this season. I've been I've been to three games. Saying that we lost one of them in penalties against Crew, but I went to the Ipswich game at home when we lost, and then I went to the Cardiff game which we've also lost. Um. So yeah, I don't think I'm gonna go for a while to be honest, because because we're 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 very good when I don't go. Um, four wins out of five, which you know we're fourth in the league, and you know we're playing some of the best football that I've seen us play in a long, long time. It's just so enjoyable to watch us. Right, this is gonna sound a bit weird, but I watched Sheffield Wednesday game on Friday night. And I'm thinking, I'm really, really happy. That we've won the game, but we haven't had to work for the win, which I didn't really like. Yeah, I thought I thought Sheffield Wednesday were absolutely pathetic. Yeah, I thought they were by far the worst team I've I've seen this season by a long way. And when we're three up after half an hour, you're like, okay, we've won the game, and of course I'm really happy, but uh, we didn't learn anything from it. If you know what I mean. Yeah, and you you won't get many games like that in the, in, in the championship. Yeah. So probably, like, probably oh, you, exactly. You, you spoke at the start of the season in the predictions just how much you thought Sheffield Wednesday was struggling. You know they made they made probably an unnecessary managerial change as well. Um, yeah, and, and lo and behold, they're struggling. Um, but like Bournemouth in the Premier League as well, winless in the Premier League. Um, they let a great manager go like Gary O'Neill, who's come into a struggling Wolves team, and look, there's what you know he's probably masterminded a win against Man City. So yeah, we spoke about it all the we did the specialist pod about all the managerial changes, but Sheffield Wednesday and Bournemouth, um unrightly um making managerial changes when they, they were doing well. Um uh, but yeah so moving on to the WSL Josh, uh we had the opening weekend and again you were actually over working at the Arsenal game. So tell us a bit about that that game. It was actually a record attendance as well for the WSL. Yeah, fifty four thousand the Emerson Sunday Arsenal against Liverpool. Um, obviously, if you don't follow the WSL, Liverpool won the game one 0 I thought Arsenal were really poor yesterday, and obviously Arsenal don't have Champions League football this year either. They were knocked out in the qualification period, got beat by Paris FC on penalties, and then you're sort of thinking, right, we have a clear run here. WSL, all the focus is on that. Emirates yesterday, 54,000 people turned out. And for me, it was the worst performance under Jonas Edeva. Um, there was nothing in the game. Like, first game of the season, there was no intensity. There was really no energy. Now, to be fair, the first 20 minutes it started really well. And Liverpool's goalkeeper, Rachel Laws, we had a few really good saves. But Arsenal and just really couldn't deal with Liverpool's tactical system. So Liverpool went played with a narrow system and it just kept forcing Arsenal to go out wide and play cross after cross after cross. But it was aimless ball after aimless ball and Liverpool were just dealing with the crosses into the box. So easy. Um, then the goal 
for me, is, is, it's a really big mistake. There's a few elements of it. Uh, lots of women, boy, uh, gets caught out of position. Zinsberg, Manuel Zinsberg, the goalkeeper, who I'm in the start yesterday, and this is going to sound harsh, but I, I just think, you know, she's a goalkeeper that's just lacking in, in, in so much confidence. Um, she had a really poor international break with Austria. A few goals that were, were really, really poor. And I would have started Sabrina D'Angelo yesterday. Uh, but obviously, no, Zinsberger started. And the first cross that Liverpool put in the game, well, she actually came out and caught it and then dropped it. And you're thinking, mm. every time this ball goes near the goal, the fans aren't, aren't confident. So the fans aren't confident. What's the defence going to be like? Um, so Friday night, they're away to Manchester United. Then I, I wouldn't start her. I'd start D'Angelo. I would also start Amanda Ellistat. I had a lot of women boy at centre-back. Um, and then Victoria Pulova. I would also start her. Um, I thought she was the bright spark for Arsenal yesterday. She came on. She added energy. She added that little bit of quality going in terms of creativity um, when she came on. So, yeah, big big things, I think, to change at Arsenal. I mean, they've signed a few players in the summer, so it's going to take them time to fit in. So, you know, it, it takes a while for the forwards to understand and, and form a relationship with each other. And Alessia, Alessia Russo, Russo made her, her WSL debut yesterday for Arsenal. And I just thought she made a few really poor decisions in terms of her runs that she was making. But that's going to happen. Like, she's only getting used to the team. So, yeah, it was a, it was a frustrating start. It was a poor start. Um... But no, for for playing Liverpool tactically, I thought they were events. Do you think um, with Arsenal having so many players from from so many different nations involved in the Women's World Cup and also the the recent Nation League games, do you think that's anything to play in this sort of slow start at the weekend? I see. I think Chelsea have that too. Yeah, I think I think United have that, and I think City have that. So they're all in the same boat. So I don't think I don't. I, it, I think saying that it's just an excuse, because there's other clubs that have, have that exact same situation, and all three of them won yesterday. Do you know what I mean? They found their way to win. Yeah. And, uh, United with a, that's a great result the way they Aston Villa, brilliant result. Um, Chelsea didn't probably didn't play their best against Spurs, but find a way to win the game, and that's the most important thing. So. No, for me, when you look at it and you look at all those other clubs, yeah, yeah, I don't think you can use that as, as an excuse at all. I just thought it was just an extremely poor performance from Arsenal yesterday. And they were just and, so lackluster. And after the opening weekend's games in the WSL, so record attendance there, over 54,000 at the Emirates, which, which was fantastic. Uh, there will be a lot extra attention on it. Um, for the first time, the, the the women's players are actually involved in the what what used to be called FIFA. It's now EA Sports FC. So a lot of a lot of younger fans will probably start to get to know these players. They might start to watch games as well. Um, a lot more teams, you know, United are like a new contender from the last couple of years as well. Chelsea uh, as holders. Who who do you see is the, the team to beat again in the WSL this year? I think I think Chelsea again. To be honest with you, I think I would be surprised if Chelsea didn't go and do five in a row. Um, I just think you know they've got the quality throughout the squad. 
Emma Hayes, obviously. They've got that consistency in that in that team, uh, which I don't think many other teams have. So yeah, for me, Chelsea, they've just got the strongest squad, and for me, they'll just sort of pick teams off. They'll just find a way to win games. So for consistency, yeah, I think Chelsea. That's great, Josh. Well, Josh, I uh, appreciate you coming on the pod today. I know you've been under a weather. I can hear it a wee bit in your voice and, and mine as well. It's just that time of year. We've, we've moved from yep. summer to winter here in, in Northern Ireland very quickly. But I do appreciate you coming on uh, and it's great to have you back on the pod and hopefully we'll be back again with you soon. So uh, thanks everyone for listening and we'll speak to you soon. All the best. Yeah.